This is Justin Mason of Friends of Fantasy Benefits, Fangraphs, and Fantasy Pros, and the following is a recording of a two-day live stream event called Potapalooza. Potapalooza is an event that raises money for charity. This year's charity was Keep Playing Baseball. It was a two-day event with 10 hours each day with some of the greatest fantasy analysts in all of fantasy baseball. I've broken up these episodes into hour-long segments that we played on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, the Sleeper on the Bus podcast, and the TGFBI podcast. So if you want to listen to all 20, you're going to have to go around to the different feeds. I apologize ahead of time if there's any audio issues. This is a live stream event. It's not something I can kind of go back and fix real easily in post because it's 20 hours long. But I hope you really enjoy all the content. You can still donate and potentially win prizes like like TGFBI entries uh, by donating to my PayPal, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com or my Venmo at Justin Salinger. You can also re-watch the live streams in its entirety on my YouTube, which is at justinmasonfwfb. I hope you enjoy this episode. The next crew is going to be a fun one. It's starting pitching uh, some of my favorite people in the industry and Paul Spore. Uh, so, uh, but before we get there, just want to remind everybody we are raising money for uh, Keep Playing Baseball, fantastic organization. Every dollar you donate will get donated. We just went over $3,000 a couple minutes ago. Uh, so thank you to everyone that has been donating. Thank you to everyone who's been a part of the panels. And thank you to all of you who've been watching uh, we're going to give away another prize right now, and that prize is a six-month free membership to Fantasy Six Pack, uh, which is what uh, Joe talked about uh, in the previous uh, panel previous to the one we just watched. Uh, and Justin Nolte, you are the winner of that, so I will get you in touch with Joe to get that all set up. Keep those donations coming in. JustinMasonFantasy at gmail.com is the PayPal. At Justin Salinger is the venmo bringing in our next panel we have mr paul sporer mr eric somolski and mr eno saris uh and no wonder they are talking starting pitching this feels like an old episode of the sleeper on the bus because i'm gonna leave and you guys are gonna talk so <laughs> <laughs> have yeah, a good hour until until Paul says something that riles me up, and then I'll just come back and yell at him. Yell at him. <laughs> kind of like when I was producing. So you yeah. guys have fun. What's going on, everybody? Eno, Eric, good to see both y'all. How y'all doing? Doing good. Stoked to be here, guys. Thank you. Excellent. It's it's wonderful to have you both. We're going to talk some pitching, as uh, Justin mentioned. Uh, we've got some, you know, would you rather's to kind of go through. You know, can would you, you rather? Thank you. <laughs> that was necessary. We're going to start at the top uh, because uh, we have to, right? You know, you want to, you don't want to spend too much time on the top players because they get talked to death. But we definitely have to start there at least because right now these two, you know, they're not really going in the first round. There's not a whole lot of pitching in the first round. You count Otani; that's its own thing. But Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole are kind of the accepted top two, yet they're still kind of being pushed down relative to where we normally see starters in recent years. We usually see a couple in the first round, and we're not. Um, let me start with who you'd rather have with Eric, and then uh, and then we'll get into whether or not you'd even take him in the first round. But let's start with just who you prefer. Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole. Eric, go ahead. It's a pretty easy Burns for me. Um and it's potentially just, you know, the old fantasy bias of, like, getting burned by somebody before. Um, I've had a little too much Garrett Cole the last two years. Um, but I think the home run issues are a, a legitimate problem. Um, I don't think that it's, it's fluky for him. Um, you know, 16.8% uh, homer to fly ball ratio last year, 13.5 uh, in 2021, 18.7 in, in 2020. Um, you know, that park is, is not great for that. And then I just look at like Burns had a really good year last year. Um, and for me, it's like he had a 17 point, he gave up a 17.6% barrel rate on his changeup in the second half. 
um, which was almost all August and September. And I just think that that is not sustainable, right? Here's a guy who gave up no home runs on his changeup and slider in 2021 and gave up eight home runs on his changeup and slider in 2022. So I think there's going to be some regression down for Burns with the home run issues in 2022. And I just don't buy that for, for Cole. I think Cole might just be like a 3-3 ERA pitcher. Which is certainly good, but yeah, not, when you not get the first round or fringe second round. Yeah. yeah, but you need the wins to kind of come with it too at the price. You know, where do you stand between Burns and, and uh, Garrett Cole right now? Yeah, I, I'm going to take Burns as well. Um, you know, it's a, a sticky issue to talk about, but it is the truth that his home run rate has spiked. Cole's home run rate has spiked since sticky stuff enforcement. Uh, and, and before you go, uh, we should point out rumors coming out or not even rumors, just a report from Jason Stark coming out that the enforcement's going to go back up. And I know you had recently been talking about how it was kind of settling back into our old ways, not as worried. And now if they're going to amp it back up, I don't know that you could be all that confident in some uh, in, in some regression on the home run rate for Garrett Cole. Yeah, I just think it's a really tough park. Uh, there are pitchers down market that I like that don't cost as much that uh, that pitch in that park that I'll take. But the park uh, always makes me a little bit worried. So I think it's it's not all Cole. Uh, you know, if he pitched in Pittsburgh, he'd have you know I think like a. 0.7 homers per nine or something, you know, it's a, I think it's partially that park, but it is what it is at this point. And I think Burns just offers uh, a little bit, uh, a scooch more dominance uh, for the I think price. that's fair. And that's where I'm at with them as well. Uh, so then you taking him in the first round of a 15 teamer right now, Eric, are you taking Corbin Burns? Um, no. But that's like right, that's right now, and obviously that's because of where starting pitching is going right now. Um, yeah. I think that I'm able to get um, good starting pitching in the second or potentially in the third, depending on where I'm at with the, with the KDS. Um, and I can lock in, you know, like a five-category bat in the first round, which to me is, is really important to make sure I'm getting that contribution across all those categories. I think that's fair. Eno, what about you? Are you taking Corbin Burns in the four, uh, first round of a 15-teamer right now? Maybe I I just did one uh, a, a draft and hold where I was in the back end of the first round. Uh, I think it was through the eleven spot, and um, I, while I wanted to come away with five category bats, uh, I came away with Vlad and Riley, which super excited as a as a you know, but it was not five category. No. And so the spent the rest of the draft trying to find st- uh, steals, and I wonder. Um, if I could have been well served uh, by uh, yeah, taking I mean, that, that burns is a, that's a ton then... of punch. Oh, Eno's frozen. That is a perfect freeze screen there. Oh, he's back. Eno, there you are. You froze. <laughs> it said you said you wonder if, and then and then it froze there. I wonder if I wouldn't have been better served uh, taking Burns um, and then taking uh, whatever third baseman is available to me, but. Uh, it would have cost me Vladdy. I think I've generally uh, I'm trying to get my SPs uh, in the back in the third. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And then again, we'll see if things move up. They might not. That's kind of an expectation right now, at least in the NFBC market, which we all play in. But we'll see where it goes from there. Let's keep moving a little bit deeper into the pitchers. Um, and we have a big would you rather here. Three different types of risk. You got Jacob deGrom versus Spencer Strider versus Sandy Alcantara. Got Grom, the obvious injury concern. Spencer Strider, the can he do it again? Can he put up 160, 170 plus innings? And then I guess with Sandy, it's, you know, is he going to do enough in that volume of, of innings to counterbalance the fact that he's going to have bad wins and that to date he hasn't had a good strikeout rate, at least not relative to where other aces are? Eno, I'll start with you here. DeGrom, Strider, or Alcantara? There's only one answer. You have to take it. Alcantara, because I'm wearing my shirt. Strider. I, I'm, I think I'm with you on Strider, by the way. I don't know. I'm taking Strider. You know, the difference is stark. Uh, it, we In our model, the projected strikeout rate for Strider is 36%, and it's 26% for Sandy Alcantara. Um, yes, the innings pitched is also going to be a stark difference. So uh, I can see that. But with Spencer Strider, I kind of feel like the glove, the kid gloves are off. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, are we going to keep him at 120 or 140? Why would we do that? 
Uh, I think this point, uh, he goes as far as uh, he feels healthy and, and they feel like uh, uh, they're not hurting him at all. So I have a conservative, I think, 150 innings uh, projected for him. I don't know why he can't go past that. I think it's 150 plus. I want to put yeah. a plus sign on the end I, of that. I definitely agree there. I don't I don't think that Strider has to be managed super tightly. Uh, he's great. You know, he's got the fitness that that kind of uh, belies his stature, which, you know, sometimes we've had issues with uh, slighter guys as far as being right-handers. Can they hold up to the rigors of, of the uh, six-month season? I think this dude's got it, and he's got everything going. Eric, where do you come out? DeGrom, Sandy, and Strider? Um, I... I thought I would be with Eno because I have exactly 150 innings for Strider 2. But based on where my projections are at, I actually have DeGrom nine cents higher than Strider. Um, Not even so a like, dime. But, but that's, what's your innings on him? Yeah, what, what's your, what, one, how many? 135, innings? which I okay. feel like 135 is not you know, isn't really that aggressive. With By the, the way, our system, um, our system projected a one seven, six ERA for DeGrom. <laughs> right. A but, one. But, I, that's crazy. But I believe but if, like, like, I, I get, if I'm on I the clock, it. if I'm on the clock, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I think in my gut, I'm still probably taking Strider. Um, so I either have to, you know, go back over the projections again or, or, you know, I don't know, or just trust them. Because um, I don't feel like 135 is that aggressive for DeGrom. Um, and we obviously no. know what he's capable of doing. Uh, I will say that for me, like, I don't, I have, you know, Alcantara, like, four or five spots below these two guys. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, not like pretty worried. I'm a little worried about the fact that there's no shift. He's a heavy ground ball pitcher. Miami traded in the middle infield of Jazz and Miguel Rojas for Joey Wendell and Luis Arias. So, like, um, you're telling me now there's no shift, and now I have a super, a a, a very less athletic, because they're still, you know, (laughs) professional athletes and they're very athletic, but a much less athletic middle infield and no more shift rules. Like, I don't know. I I don't, that's not going to like move him out of like being a very good fantasy pitcher but it may impact the ratios enough that like, I don't think we're seeing, you know, NL Cy Young type of season again, where, you know, I have him for a 310 ERA. Um, and, you know, if he's not throwing 220 innings, uh, it does knock his value a little bit. De- definitely needs that volume. I-, I still stand firm with Sandy and I said it last year and it didn't come to fruition, but I still stand firm that I look at that stuff and I see a path to more strikeouts. And if he does raise the strikeout rate, maybe in response to the fact that he doesn't have a shift or particularly great defenders behind him, then I think it's all over for these fools. I, I, and then he becomes, mm-hmm. you know, number one pitcher type potential there. I mean, this guy throws a hundred mile an hour sinkers. He's got a swing and miss uh, with his breaking stuff at times. He doesn't go for it very often. So I don't know. I don't want to wish cast too many, too many strikeouts. There. Change ups, man, though. Change ups yeah. just don't give they, you the strikeouts. They just don't, they don't give you the, the punchies, yeah. but I, I still think he's a bit of a work in progress. And we hear that phrase and we think like a guy who hasn't reached the summit yet. That's funny to say about a Cy Young winner. I grant that. But what I'm saying is that I don't think Sandy's in his final form. I think he can be different while remaining still at, at the top of the peak. I'm just, I'm very and, much in the bag for him. And, you know, uh, the, the I think that the most difficult person I have to rank is Jacob deGrom. I've had him as high as four and as low as 15. And I don't know where to put him. Me and either. I think it's, uh, it's because with our first pick, we want safety. And I think mm-hmm. with uh, Alcantara, you're taking the safe pick. You know, I think there's a lot of, to be said for safety because you feel good about the injury percentage. You feel good about, you know, the floor being super high and you feel good about the innings. I mean, a lot of what you want is strikeouts and, you know, those come with those innings, but you and know, Strider could strike out more people in like 30 fewer. In, innings. Yeah. In, in, in 50 <laughs> yeah. fewer innings. He absolutely yeah. could. I, I, I grant that too. But one thing I might love to point out is, you know, it is still your bottom line strikeouts. And if you're throwing 200 plus innings, which is more than so many other guys throw, then even Sandy's bottom line strikeouts with the modest rate can still Mm -hmm. compete at the very least. And again, I still leave room for him to push upwards. So I just can't pull the trigger on DeGrom. So even though my projections and everything tells me he's valued at this and if he can throw 140 innings, he'll be like the best pitcher in baseball. I get it. I get it. But when I'm there in the draft, I never push the button. Is there anything you can see in spring that, that 
puts you well, ready it certainly to wasn't the first one being like ah, no, not today. <laughs> the, the immediate news of like nah right. i don't feel great right now <laughs> so i don't know but i wonder if you know four or five uh outings of him reaching his thresholds and the pitches that the grom is set out i think for, that's going to be a recency bias we'll just be like, I, I, oh yeah he's fine it, he's well good. here's the thing too because even if it did get you excited then the price goes up anyway then oh yeah then i mean that's what happened last anyway. year was, yeah so that's exactly spring, what's going to happen price kept going up price kept going all of a sudden yeah I saw I was in a draft where he got taken one one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and, ah! and it will happen again. If he goes if Jagram goes through spring without any any other injuries besides the little hiccup uh you know earlier when he was throwing, he will be a first round pick consistently. Yeah. Maybe not an ADP there, yeah. but consistently. And if you're not looking to pay for him right now, no shot you're paying it then. So I I grant I, I get that for sure. Let's move on to our next group here. Uh Aaron Nola, Brandon Woodruff. Carlos Rodon and Dylan C. So an interesting four pack here because you kind of got the two safer guys, at least the, the perceived safer floors of Nolan Woodruff versus the two more uh, potential high upside, I think, but definitely scarier for different reasons. You've got Rodon with his injury history, despite the two healthy seasons that we've seen these last two years and moving into a new stadium that is difficult coming from a wonderful stadium like San Francisco going to New York. And then Dylan Cease with his 40 command. I know uh, Nick Pollock's in the chat. I think he should kind of double down on his Cease uh, worry this year because I I I do. I, I see it this year. I, I'm not paying the full premium on Dylan C's 40 command just leaves your, your range of outcomes this wide. And it's, it's very scary for me. So um, I'm a little bit nervous on C's, but what about that four pack there, Eric, who do you got between Woodruff, Nola, Rodon, C's? Uh, I have Woodruff one spot higher than Rodon for me in my projections. Um, I was, was in on Woodruff last year. Obviously we know the start of the year was, was not great. Um, I think you did, you mentioned Nick Pollock, um, and I think he does a good job breaking it down when he did his top 300, right? Is we knew that he would have started the year with that nerve issue mm-hmm. where he wasn't obviously, wasn't really able to feel, he didn't feel like he had a good grip on the baseball, which, you know, is pretty Those important. fingers, seems important. Right. Seems important. I, I don't know. A, I can't it's say it's for pretty sure. Important. But obviously, like, you know, Nick runs down the numbers after May 9th. With a 238 ERA, one a flat one whip, and a 31% strikeout rate in 124 innings, which is, you know, people were drafting Woodruff as like a top five, six pitcher last year. Um, and I think if they had just gotten, if they had gotten that, obviously you'd be stoked. So for me, I, I'm looking at it as a, a guy who still has all the talent that he had when I was picking him where I was drafting him last year. So I'm still trying to value him at that um, evaluation and not looking at like trying to, to knock him for April. Um, and so I, I'm all in on Woodruff where he's going right now. Um, I think Rodon is a great pick too, but uh, I feel you know confident I can get like 170, maybe 180 innings from, from Woodruff um, and you know with, with pretty elite stuff. I, I still see a world where Woodruff can go 200 as well. Maybe it's just the body type. Sure. Um, and those can tend to be the workhorses. I you know, get that Lance Lynn vibe. He hasn't done it, so I don't, I'm not putting it in my projection. But I put him for the 175, 180-ish. Um, so 179 is his career high. But I put Woodruff in that upper 170s in the back of my mind thinking, I can get 25 more innings here too if, if everything kind of comes together and he doesn't have a bout where he can't feel his freaking fingers. Um, you know. Nola Woodruff, yeah, Rodon who you like? Uh, Woodruff and Rodon are the only two of the four that are projected for a better than three ERA in our model. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be, I mostly am focused on those two. And in the case of choosing between those two, uh, I do think the injury history is a little bit crazier with Rodon. Although, mm-hmm. man, that 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 Woodruff thing really scared the crap out of me. It sounded yeah. like the beginnings of thoracic outlet syndrome. I know it was called it's called Raynaud's disease, I believe. But when um, he said he couldn't feel his fingers, that's like one terrifying. of the first things that people yep. say. That's when exactly what I thought. Thoracic outlet, yeah. And I know Quay so. Link, you know. He and I were actually having disagreement early in the year about Woodruff, and he he was proven right. He was having concerns. I was like, I don't know. I think it's just hiccups, nothing to see here. About a week later, it comes out that he's having this uh, numbness issue, and he can't feel his fingers. I'm like, oh. Then he finished pretty lights out, you know? Yeah, and, and then he came back, and you never would have known. You know, if you slept I... through the first two months, you could have never been convinced that he had an issue like that. So I get it with Woodruff, but Rodon has a laundry list, too. Now he hasn't been hurt. It's recently. shoulder and elbow. I mean, that's yeah. that's what's that's really uh, pretty you know depressing. So, 
Um, and, and then Woodruff is just pristine in our model. He locates, he has great stuff. He's just uh, the, the perfect pitcher in our model, basically. So, uh, I mean, not like DeGrom, but, you know, yeah. in terms of like pairing ability to be a workhorse and doing everything our model likes and then having a 21st injury percentile by Jeff Zimmerman. Uh, that's, that's very really different nice. than Radona's 89 or 90. So, and, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't cost you as much. He, he's not cheap. I, I wouldn't say Rodon or excuse me, that Woodruff comes like super cheap. He is a top 10 guy, but he's in that, he's in that second five there when he feels like he could easily be a top five guy. If that Reynolds is at bay, that Reynolds uh, issue, then I think, uh, I think Woodruff can absolutely have that tip top season let's move on i do and let's, i do just go ahead, want to say go ahead, real quick, like, yes i know we mentioned the cease thing with, with nick before but i'm i'm in on cease like he's my sp10 right now um i i feel like every projection system is basically saying oh what you did last year isn't real every projection system has him for fewer k's they have him for uh, a worse era like not just a worse ERA, but he put up a 220 last year, and all mm-hmm. the projection systems have him around like a 3.5. I think and that's I understand fair. the control. We've got 3.18. Right. Yes, that's more in between. Enough, right. I, <laughs> I have him. I actually I have him for. I have him for 3.24, and he's my SP ten. Um, and like uh, four million strikeouts then. Yeah, probably like uh, the fifth biggest strikeout rate. 184 innings, uh, 222 strikeouts. Yeah. Well, what's what's the whip? Um, I guess because I actually have more strikeouts one, than one, that. One one nine. Okay. And he's your um, what pitcher is he for you? Your ten? SP eleven. SP ten. Your SP eleven. Yeah. Wow. SP ten. That's spicy. That's spicy. Um, I, I, and, I, and to I, me, it's I, like I look at there are there are legitimate there were legitimate changes last year, right? That that helped to drive the break the statistical breakout um not to the extent where he's a 220 era pitcher but like he threw his best pitch way more often right mm-hmm. that that's a, a change that we can point to and say okay he did this and he did he did this well um and so i i like that aspect of of what he's doing um i think that like the babib isn't overly lucky um i know it's probably a little bit lower than we think it would be but you remember that stretch where like he was allowing so many unearned runs because the defense behind him was garbage. And now the defense behind him is going to be a little bit better. I mean, we talked about the middle infield defense for the Marlins and now Mm -hmm. he has Tim Anderson and Elvis Andrews up the middle, which is significantly better. Tim Anderson for like 70 games. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't have Andrew Vaughn in left field anymore. That should be pretty nice. Uh, Eli Jimenez wants to play the field. I don't think they're going to let him. Um, if they so don't hide his glove, I swear to um, God. And and I I thought that there were enough interesting things in the changeup that he was throwing, which makes me think if this talk of him saying I spent all offseason trying to revamp and work on my changeup, um, if that's even a passable third pitch for him, I think you're looking at a, a really good season where that command is the only thing that stands in the way of him winning the Cy Young. But it is um, 40 command. Thing. I mean, it is that 40 is a big, it is a command. That is very bad. And yeah. that, and it's not even that I don't believe that Cease can do it again. I do, but I think it's probably what Nick was really thinking last year was just that you have to pay for it. And the range of outcomes is wide because, sure. you know, you get yourself in trouble with walks and he still had walk issues last year. And if the Babbitt does go up a bit, um, you know, because Anderson's not uh, a ma- massively great uh, shortstop. Andrews is is a pretty good defender there. And if Andr- I will say, if Anderson gets hurt, at least they get to go to Andrews at short. So that's not a bad uh, it's not a bad backup there. But I understand the upside. Um, he's great, and as a fellow mustachioed man, his is exponentially better than mine. Uh, but I'm I'm inclined to root for him just because of the great mustache so we'll see what dylan sees can do this year let's move on to our next group here another four pack couple oldies couple of uh younger guys max scherzer and justin verlander the, the two mets versus, versus well they're not they're all versus each other but max scherzer versus justin verlander versus kevin gossman versus shane bieber and so again you got kind of different things here you got the two oldies that some people are playing hot potato with they don't want to be caught uh, holding the bag if things break and when they're uh, old. You got Kevin Gossman with that crazy Babbitt last year. What's going to happen with that? And then you got Shane Bieber, who, yes, I understand the velo drop last year, but I think 
people just don't want to buy him. And I, I'm not quite understanding that. You know, let's start with you on this four pack here: Verlander, Scherzer, uh, Rodon, excuse me, Gosman, and Bieber. Well, I'm just gonna skip Bieber because it's. See? Uh... I'm just going to keep losing. I'm just going to keep losing. I'm just going to keep losing. I'm doubling down. You're you're in the majority. (laughs) People just hating on my boy. I love him. I think he's going to be huge. I'm just going to keep losing. I've got him uh, in the the low 20s and everybody else uh, significantly higher. Uh, I've just got Justin Verlander, the highest of those. Uh, He's going to a great pitcher's park. Uh, They should be able to win wins for him. And I do believe in the Tommy John honeymoon um, that uh, that Jeff Zimmerman found a while back. Uh, it's a little bit of old research, honestly, at this point, and maybe needs to get redone because now they're doing different kinds of Tommy Johns with internal braces and all that stuff. But uh, the original research was that there's about a five to six hundred inning honeymoon between your first Tommy John and your second if you're about to get a second. I mean, the second for Verlander would probably be retirement, but yeah, you'd uh, think, but maybe not but with it, him. I feel like fresh ligament, forty-year-old uh, uh, in in the great, the one of the better park situations he could be in, parking team situations. He had a great season. My model likes him for nearly a thirty percent strikeout rate and a two nine ERA. Uh, it all lines up for me for Verlander. Love to hear that, Eric. What do you think, Scherzer, Verlander, yeah. Gosman, Bieber? I got Ver, I got Verlander the highest oh, as well. Both um, ace the quiz. I, and I will say Bieber is also my my lowest of the group. Okay, you um, fail. But for, see me after the class. interesting thing was like <laughs> if you look at if you look at Alex Chamberlain's uh, pitch leaderboard, what I think is interesting is in the first half of the year last year he threw the cutter nine percent of the time and he threw it twenty three percent of the time in the second half last year. He threw the slider. 35% of the time in the first half and then 23% of the time in the second half. So the slider is obviously his big swing and miss pitch. Um, and the cutter is more of a, a contact suppression, you know, ground ball pitch. So if that is a legitimate shift, that means, okay, the ratios will probably stay lower because he's suppressing hard contact and getting ground balls, but the strikeouts may also stay lower. Um, and so that's part of what, what I did when I looked at my projections is like, okay, you know, if I give Bieber a, a three, three, six ERA, which is still pretty solid, but I don't really give him a lot of strikeouts. Um, then to, that just suppresses his value when you're comparing him to guys like Verlander and Scherzer, who, you know, when they're on the mound, they're going to be putting up good ratios and also racking up strikeouts. So that's what mm-hmm. separates him in this, in this group for me. That'll be interesting to see what what Bieber does with yeah. his cutter slider, and you know the. I wonder, you know, and anyway, I don't want to get too deep on on Bieber there. Let's continue on. Then um, you guys both pick Verlander. Love that. Zach Wheeler, Julio Urias, and Luis Castillo. You got Wheeler, who you know I think at this point we kind of forget the injury issues that he went through. He missed two whole seasons with injuries. He's now seen as a bit of a workhorse and I get it. He's been excellent, but it it is weird how you can kind of change your outlook there just by, by staying healthy for a bit. Urias, who is generating a lot of concern because of the shift changes and how well his BABIP suppression has been with the Dodgers. And then Castillo, who, Really looked like he, you know, showed out with the Mariners. He's out of that ballpark that that gives up a lot of homers from Cincinnati. Could have a huge first year with the Mariners. Eric, let's go with you. Wheeler, Udias, and Castillo. Who do you like best? Um, I have Wheeler highest of the group. Um, and so for me, there's there's two things, um, and I only have him for 186 innings, so not like you know back up to pushing like 200. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the couple things for me that, that stood out is the, velo- the fastball velocity really ticked up as the year went on. He was throwing – he averaged 96 in August, and he averaged 96.5 in September. Um, and the swinging strike rate also went up as the year went on. Um, so for me, like, your, your improved – that shows a little bit more of, like, improved health, and um, I can carry that over into the next season. Um, the slider got hit really hard in the second half. Um, and that was according to, um, again, according to the month breakdown that Alex Chamberlain has on his pitch leaderboard. That's part of the reason for his like really rough August. 
But when you look at like the metrics of the move, the shape of the slider, the velocity, all of that, the, the, um, the release point, like nothing is really different between 2021 and 2022. So I don't see any reason why the slider was getting hit harder. So I'm, I'm not putting as much faith in that carrying over as I am the like increased velocity that we saw and the increased swing strike rate we saw in the second half of the year. Um, so, you know, on, on a really good team too, um, yeah. I, I just really like Wheeler. Wheeler's wonderful. So I, I totally get that. Uh, Wheeler, Julio Odias, and Luis Castillo, you know, who do you like? Uh, I've long been a, a Urias uh, supporter, but um, I just don't have the same strikeout rates from him. Um, and yeah, the ERA is not quite the same. I have Wheeler and Castillo right next to each other and they leapfrog each other sometimes. One thing that I like about Castillo is I feel much better about his health percentiles. Uh, that gets reflected by Jeff Zimmerman's numbers, 26 percentile for Luis Castillo, 94, 94th percentile for Wheeler. So a little bit of injury risk there, I think from, um, Wheeler, I do have them really close. So I'm picking the nits, but the thing that I like about Castillo is that when he went to Seattle, not only did his performance tick up, but his uh, his pitch mix changed. And yes. I think that they're in the process of changing him from a sinker changeup guy into a four seam slider guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think those strikeouts are going to tick up. And I think it goes even beyond what my model is pimping out because you know the model just looks at what he did for the season. It doesn't break it down. Um, you know, by, by like, what did you do in August and September? And so I see uh, more strikeout upside with that four seam slider situation. Then he's a really complete pitcher because he can go for the strikeouts, the four seams and sliders. He can go for the contact suppression with the sinker and the changeup. And he does it in front of an improving lineup. I wouldn't quite say it's amazing, but uh, there's some buzz. Did, did Derek Kelnick go deep today or something? Oh, the, did the group Justin make you say that? He went, he went, he went, he went, did Justin make you fire. say that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Give me a break. So, so, so put Luis Castillo down for 25 wins. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, baby! <laughs> Kelnick's going to homer in all of them. 25 wins. Unbelievable. (laughs) Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I I love Castillo, man. I've been a big fan of his since, uh, you know, since that first breakout there. You know, Nick and I went all in on him. Well, sophomore slumps happened, but uh, he since has rebounded, kind of become uh, a really steady guy. You know, some volatility because of Cincinnati, I think. But now that he's in Seattle, I really think he can have that huge ace season. And uh, I'm definitely projecting it. With, uh, with what I've got him for. Christian Javier, Alec Manoa, Zach Gallon, Tyler Glass. Now, another very interesting group here. You got Christian Javier, kind of that baby strider who's like, he's got two pitches, but they're both 70 grade, and he did it in low volume, but he was so good that the low volume didn't matter. Manoa, another guy who kind of looks like that workhorse type. Uh, will the new fences give him any trouble there, or is he going to be fine? Gallon, was the pitcher of the summer with that uh, scoreless streak that he had. He's excellent and not having to play as much potentially in Coors or against the Dodgers and Padres certainly helps, even though, you know, as people have mentioned throughout the day today, it's, it's not a perfectly balanced schedule. It's just less imbalanced. And then Tower Glass now, one of the most volatile guys or you know, one of the most divisive guys in fantasy right now. You got some people who are all in, some people who are all out. You usually don't – no one's really in between, it seems like. You're either taking him in like that top 25 or you're like, I have him ranked 60th. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> so, you know, let's start with you on that four-pack there. Christian Javier, Alec Manoa, Zach Gallon, and Tyler Glass. Now, who's your fave? I got to kill all my babies. I got Zach Gallon <laughs> third of that, out of that group, and I've loved him forever, I feel like. But uh, I've got uh, Javier and Glass now uh, above the rest. Um, and really, uh, the, the Glass now question is how many innings, of course. Uh, it's a little bit like a baby DeGrom situation. We've got a 219 ERA for Glass now yeah. um, projected, and 135 is the my innings number. Compare that for Javier. I've got 175 innings from him at a 321, so it'll run higher. Uh, but the nice thing is that at least Javier comes with a ton of strikeouts. Uh, I like him like uh, like a baby Strider, uh, but I have a conversation yet to be published with Strider where we talked about whether or not the two-pitch thing can really work. And the thing that it hinged on, I think, was his ability to command the ball, the fastball high and low in the zone. Because I said, what happens if people say, if it's high, let it ride, and if it's low, I'm going to spit on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, what then? And you only have two pitches. What then? And he said, I throw a low fastball. And I think for Javier, the risk is, 
his command is not Cecian, but it's but not, uh, it's, it's not probably forty five. It's yeah. like forty five, maybe. Um, and and so I think there'll be some rough patches, but the strikeouts will be there. I don't think I think especially now with the Lance McCullers injury, he's just a starter, and they just gotta they're gonna put him in all season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I have Javier uh, uh, ahead, uh, but looking at it now, I'm like a whole run of ERA. <laughs> I got this group literally in. I order. love Glass now. I'm just trying. I'm trying to rein it in. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I had Glass too. now like 12 at one point, and I was like, man, that's pretty aggressive. <laughs> yeah, uh, same thing. Like I, I just I went kind of crazy with it, um, and I, I, I think I figured out why. It's because he's hot. If he was ugly, he wouldn't rank him <laughs> I, I, I promise you that ha- that's it, pr- it's pretty privilege. It's pretty privilege. It looks yep. like Cillian Murphy. Right? Cillian Murphy clone. Uh, it's pretty privilege here for Tyler Glass now. Eric, what do you think? <laughs> Javier Manoa, Gallon Glass now, an interesting quartet there. Who's your fave? I, I also have Javier. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to add more analysis because when Eno talks about a pitcher for like two or three minutes, you're not going to really add it. kind of covers it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that like when I was digging in on this, I, I found something interesting with Gallon that I'm just curious to, to dive into more is I feel like he may have changed his changeup mid-season um, because his changeup was about 87 miles an hour in the first few months of the year or more, and then down around 85 um, in the second and uh, in the second half of the season. Um, and he also the according to the the you know horizontal and vertical um, movement, he had more drop and less run, less you know horizontal run on it. So it's like, is that just the consequence of, of you know, pitching through the half of the season, maybe he was just gripping it a little different as he got more tired, as he threw more innings. Maybe it had something to do with like weather. I don't really know. Or is that a conscious, deliberate change? Because do you have any uh, went, results uh, numbers on it? Because he's uh, my model didn't like the change. It liked the first one first, and he also used it less. So do you have? Yeah, is he, there like he a used result? It less, like if you look at. If you look on – so for StatCast, uh, on the StatCast page, um, it allowed a 0.91 batting average against in September, a 0.59 batting average against in August, um, and a 120 batting average against in July. Uh, if you use Alex Chamberlain's uh, pitch leaderboard, he had a – sorry, an 11.9% barrel rate allowed on the changeup in the first half and zero – percent barrel rate allowed on the changeup in the second half um he obviously alex uses you know the the dera on um his pitch leaderboard uh gallon posted a 468 on the changeup in the first half and a negative 1.87 on the changeup in the second half that's so weird Um, my model basically we're doing we're going to do a half split i mean uh let's see here where's the date there wait what's the half 722 we'll do 722 um he had a 78 stuff plus in the second half that's that's really? wild yeah. yeah i think it's it's but we're not that like good at change-ups i will say change-ups is not our best pitch <laughs> and i haven't dug into like my, part of my plan is to go back and like what you know go through mlb tv and or even just Statcast and just look at the change-ups in the different months and see if anything jumps yeah. um but it's just an intriguing thing for people to keep in mind of like we obviously know the second half of his year was, was pretty phenomenal. If there was an actual conscious change mm-hmm. to some of his pitches in the second half, that could take that from being, you know, fluky luck to something more, more sustainable, obviously not, you know, the way that he pitched the second half of the year, you're not going to get like that those ridiculous ratios, but you might get legitimate gains that um, carry over a little bit more. Yeah, I like, you know, I like uh, I like that analysis also because it's it speaks to a generality about Zach Gallen, which is he has a lot of pitches and they're all very good. And sometimes I call him a baby Woodruff because he has command and he has a lot of pitches. And that's what I like. I mean, that's he's in some ways he's an ideal pitcher where you have like three or four action pitches, three or four command pitches like he he has it all. I just worry sometimes about the veto on the fastball. He didn't have that as a prospect. It kind of mm. jumped up, uh, you know, in his development. And I just wonder what happens if he loses a tick or loses a half tick because it happens to every pitcher if 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 it all starts to not be as exciting. 
as Could, excited. Couldn't that be in down the line though with Gallon? I mean, he's, yeah. you're still talking about 28. I mean, you're not, you're not, not a total. People bring up the injury too, but it was a, it was a kind of a weird one, right? It was yeah. like, I think it's from a different part of the UCL because he did it swinging. And so people were like, oh, he sprained his UCL. Well, that's bad. But it, it's automatically thought to be as bad as a, a standard. I tried to there. look it up, and I don't think it is in the same spot. I think it's like on the other side of the UCL. But I don't know if that matters. If you could still, I, I, I don't either. To be go. honest, I think it's something to <laughs> at least have in the back of your mind with Gallon. But I, I'm all systems go with him. I gave him a full season, and again, he's another guy that well, you, you mentioned uh, Woodruff, and I said I put him for an upper 170s with my thought in my mind, thinking he could go to 200. Same thing with Gallon. I got him in the low 180s for innings or upper 170s as well, thinking there's still 200 there possibly, and it wouldn't surprise me at all with him. So that's a great quartet of pitchers. I don't mind really getting any of them um, at all, and I love what Javier did. Manoa's a really fun glass now, super hot, and uh, Zach Allen. They're in an awkward spot, though, because they're kind of, you know, they're SP2s. That's what we're talking about right now, right? Right. Mm -hmm. we're, we're in that sort of 15 to 20. They can be so... an SP1, though, if you hammer – hitting early like i i wouldn't necessarily yeah. like it's a different approach where you you just you eschew the the ace tier and make one of them and then maybe the, i think you need to double tap then well I then you maybe you make yeah you get one of them and then your next group takes us to the uh, your, your sp2 takes us to the next group you got two padres you darvish and joe musgrove from valdez and the best body type in the game tristan mckenzie you know <laughs> who's your uh who's your number one there with those four you had Musgrove, Darvish, McKenzie, and who? Framber Valdez. Framber. Framberto. Uh, I'm I'm taking you, Darvish. Uh, uh, we've got the highest strikeout projected strikeout rate. I think you can put a good innings number on him. I think you can put a good wins number on him. I think with the new deaded ball, that the the old home run problems are not are are not coming back. Um, and. In the past couple of years, San Diego's gone back toward its pitching-friendly ways. There was a brief moment there where it played a bit more neutral after being such a good pitcher-friendly park uh, with the marine layer and everything. It's it's inching back there. Just ask it's Josh Bell and Soto. What? It's still cold. You it's still game. cold it's still at night. <laughs> and I, you know, I think the new scoreboard changed something with like the marine layer effects or whatever, so it helped it be a bit more neutral. But it, it's back to being pretty pretty pitcher friendly. Um, it's amazing to me the, the the injury percentiles for you, Darvish, is ninetieth, and for Joe Musgrove, who I basically right next to him is sixteenth. And I I don't. I guess that's Should true. I was because I'm glad you brought that up. I was just about to ask: Has Darvish not kind of changed his injury outlook here by being a guy who now, in the last three full seasons, has gone 30 plus starts? I know he's 36. He also doesn't throw his fastball as much as he used to, and the fastball is you know is kind of the big issue. Yeah, that, yeah, that's where you really can put that stress on your arm. And he used to have so many high pitch innings. I lo I've loved Darvish since he came over, but he used to be so frustrating to watch because he'd get a guy 0-2 and he's throwing three dirt balls trying to get a strikeout. <laughs> and then he throws three fastballs, two of them that they fall off. And then the last one's the action pitch, a strikeout yeah. or an out or a hit or whatever. And it's like, you do not need nine to 10 pitches every plate appearance. You're way too good for that. But now he's much more efficient. And so I don't know. I get it at once you're past age 35, all hell can break loose on injury, but I don't view Darvish in that 90th percentile of, of injury risk. So I understand you having him there. He's my number one in this group too, kind of with a bullet, kind of easily for me in this in this group. But let's go to you, Eric. Darvish, Musgrove, Valdez, McKenzie. I, I just got to say, I keep looking at both of you guys with your nice backdrops and, and me. With and your prison one? Wall. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad that you got time. In uh, the closet? The What's going on? You can tell who has the seven-month-old child and is holed up and like whatever. Yeah, just like, sit in the corner, um, especially during bedtime right now. Yeah, um, no, I so I, I got the same thing. I got Darvish um, number one in this group. I have him number one based on the my projection value. I actually only have him over Framber by um, by a good old twenty-three cents. Okay. Um, and so a, me, dime, I just, I, a dime and a quarter can get you some differences yeah. between two of your, your yeah. pitcher it was, sets. It was, nine, yeah, it was nine cents on the first one. Um, yeah. I, I think I just buy into the, the cutter, right? I mean, you know, Luis Garcia has a great cutter. He taught Framber Valdez the cutter. Uh, Framber Valdez registered a 17.5 screen strike rate with the cutter last year. Yeah, like, I forgot that, about the cutter. That's a new that's pitcher. A legitimate, are big. you thinking that's a legitimate some, pitcher exchange. some K upside then for Framber? Because he did it, he I put up a really 24 know. last year. 
I don't know that I would go more than like aggressively more than he did last year. Um, but even but a percentage point I think, with somebody I think that last year is 200. Right. I think that last year is legitimate, right? Like I think the gains he made last year and he put up, you know, 200 innings, 194 strikeouts. Um, I think I don't, I wouldn't bank on a regression back to being like, you know, an 8.3 K per nine guy or giving him like 180. Like I have him down for um, 195 innings and 190 strikeouts. Um, And so that's like a slight, that's a slight improvement on what he did last year, but Mm -hmm. he's still not, you know, becoming some drastic strikeout pitcher. But just because I believe that that was a legitimate pitch mix change last year that fueled those results. It wasn't some fluky, like he got more swings and misses. And um, as such so a heavy, you've got, you've got two really good pitches. As such a heavy ground ball guy, maybe he Frommer decides like I need to get more swings and misses, and now I've got this weapon that I can get him. And maybe maybe he goes even beyond the projection. I agree, you should not put it in your projection yet, but just think about with that cutter that could send him to a different level there and be a bit of a different pitcher. Cause I know a lot of people are worried about him because of the shift changes thinking that with all those ground balls, he could be in trouble. And I wonder if he can maybe flip the narrative on that, but we'll see. Yeah. I, all right. I just want to point out, and I'm not yes. saying that these two are the same, but Framber Valdez had a higher K per nine last year than Sandy Alcantara. So if you're <laughs> going to say Framber Valdez has the potential to throw 200 innings, which we're saying it's possible, mm-hmm. then doesn't that give him the same kind of like accumulator value that we're giving to Sandy Alcantara? Not to the extent, obviously, that we're putting him at the same level because you're talking about somebody who can throw 220 versus somebody who could throw 200. But, it's, but we're talking also about however many picks down. You're talking about like SP exactly. 23 or 24 rather than SP3. It's a big I drop. think that gives that gives Framber the same safety in the range that we were giving Sandy safety in the range of the top tier is like he's an accumulator who we know will throw a decent amount of innings with good ratios and actually has potentially a little bit more strikeout upside unless you believe there's more to unlock with Sandy, which I think is a valid argument as well. But so I just I'm using that same safety narrative for Framber within this section of starting pitcher rankings where I just feel pretty comfortable with what I'm going to get from him. I'm all about the bargain shopping of this profile is available from this guy X picks later. Yes, it might have one wart on it, but is that wart worth four, five, six, seven rounds, whatever the difference is. So as much as I love Sandy, I totally get what you're saying there with Framber. And again, you can make the same case on the Strider versus uh, Javier. Yes, Strider is the better version, but if you're the bargain shopper, if, if you if you're always you know if you're wanting to be the thrifter, then you go with the two Astros, Framber and Javier, instead of Strider and Alcantara, and you take pit hitters in those rounds, and then you're in a better situation, perhaps. But uh, let's move on. We got our last group, and then you guys are going to pick a couple pitchers: George Kirby and Robbie Ray. Finally, not pairing Kirby and Gilbert. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate that. Done with those discussions. Severino and Green. So you got Mister Control Artist. Uh, former Cy Young guy who can't stay healthy, but is excellent when he pitches. And then the up and coming, uh, you know, potential ace, but on a bad team, hasn't really done it yet, but Oh my God, he throws hundred miles an hour all the time. Kirby Ray Severino green. Who's your fave? You know, right now my rankings are at least Severino, but you guys just argued from up above him. Uh, so it's uh, Severino with a down arrow. Um, and, uh, I just, you know, the model likes him, it it pumps out a three, four, four ERA for him, three, four, two for Kirby, but more strikeouts, uh, for Severino. Um, but the innings is just such an open question mark. I I just look back to Severino doing 190s back to back in 2017 and 2018 and wonder, is he just, is he just healthy again? You know, could this be the year that they're just like, here, let it go. You're a free agent. That, after that's this the season. thing. If, and he's if, like, "Yes, let's go. I want to be as healthy as I can." Yes, I believe that. That's Think exactly of Rodon in, in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like everyone's like, "Yep, yep, you're you're just gonna go. You're just gonna get as many as you can." So I, I kind of, I, I just like Severino this year as uh, maybe getting back to the. I have a one four six in innings pitch because I'm a reasonable person, but uh, in my back of my head, I'm like, "What about those?" 
190s. He has been able to do it before. So, and and a lot of times, uh, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. So it's not like, oh, we need to progress his innings or whatever. Exactly. No, it's like oh, he's shown 190. You can get, you can give that to us again if he's if he's healthy. So that, that's how I, I see know. it with Severino too. Once and anybody that uh, once they get past a certain age, if they've reached a certain height, I use that as more of a framework. Uh, of what they can get to again you don't put it in the projection for severino but you understand when you're drafting him for 150 that there might be 40 in the back pocket there because he's gotten there like with woodruff and gallon i'm talking about uh something that they've never reached before with Sevi, mm-hmm. he's done it twice and so if he's healthy there is no reason that they uh that they will need to hold him back on the yankees they need him to be a beast for them and they will let him be a beast if he's healthy um, all right, Eric, what do you think on that group there? You got the two Mariners with Gilbert and Ray, as well as Severino and Green. No, Kirby, Kirby and Ray. Oh, Kirby, Kirby. Yeah. Um, and I will just say, like, um, Severino was vocally upset about not being able to pitch more innings last year. That's like, right. He, he spoke out about, like, wanting to be out on the mound. So that just adds a little bit extra to Eno's point of, like, if he is a free agent at the end of the year and they're like, do you want to – like? basically want to let him run, you know, he's not going to be cautious with it. So I, I, mm-hmm. I fully support that. Um, I have Severino higher, the highest of the group. I will say weirdly, like I didn't expect it, but I, I have Robbie Ray second. Um, and I, and that's with a 371 ERA and a 119 whip, which is exactly what he did last year. It's so so that's not like, that, it's the strikeouts, right? Um, and also for me, it's the, you know, I listened to, to you and Nick talk about George Kirby. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of this dude because, you know, last year was the first year. So you don't really want to dig in. You don't want to like overemphasize a rookie season because, yeah. you know, pitchers evolve and adapt and change. Uh, one pitch with a swinging strike rate over 10% and it was his forcing fastball. Um, so like that, that doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. Um, I would love to see another secondary pitch. He also seemed to add a sinker in the second half of the year and throw the sinker, um, a lot more according to, um, again, according to Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard and also that doesn't miss bats and is a contact suppressor or hard contact suppressor. So like, I guess I just don't know what type of pitcher he's going to be at this level yet. And I don't know if he's going to miss bats consistently enough for me to drive him above guys like Severino and, and Ray. And again, the Robbie Ray pick is about how you build your rotation, right? If you're taking like somebody, somebody like Sandy Alcantara early where you're locking in good ratios and you're low on strikeouts, and then you're thinking, if I can get a 3-6, 3-7 from Ray and get added strikeouts – Maybe I have the buffers of, you know, a Sandy Alcantara, a Framber Valdez, you know, guys like a Zach Gallen, you know, depending on where you're selecting your pitches, it's all, it's all about build. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't love Ray, but my projections favor him over Kirby as of right now. No, I, I, I get it. Um, I, I like Kirby and I love command. You know, I'm a sucker for fastball command. So I understand, you know, being in on him, but, Ray Ray gets the punchies and he gets some with good volume and now he hasn't been walking guys the last couple of years so that certainly helps too. You know, um, you picked Severino, right? You guys both picked Severino yeah. as your top here. So let's move mm-hmm. on. We got a few more minutes left. Favorite pitcher uh, past to pick two hundred, but I've also got past pick three hundred coming. So this is really two hundred to two ninety nine. You know, who's your fave? Uh, just glancing, uh, my highest ranked uh, ones are Nate Ivaldi and Alex Cobb. Okay. Uh, Eovaldi is another one of those guys that's like, if he's healthy, there's no reason that they're going to slow him down. And he had a buck 82 back in 2021. Yes, he has a laundry list. We would need another hour to go through all of his injuries. And the Velo loss last year was not Exactly. But he does have, you know, 182 just a year ago. So I do think that there's innings upside with Eovaldi as well, if he can stay healthy. That is a massive if, of course. Yeah, my lowest uh, in the 200s that's up there with him is Tyler Malley. So. 
Okay. Um, and he, he's got another health. It's question. your injury. It's your injury group. Yep. Uh, bonanza. Uh, but this is a reason why uh, I, th- I talk about in terms of draft dynamics, it is good to take safe early because there are more injury risk guys that you can take later. Yes. Uh, and, that are, that are exciting if they're not, if they're healthy. So because if that's why Jake DeGrom them, keeps dropping. <laughs> but yeah, because if you're already taking them, You can't put DeGrom, Ivaldi, and Haney on your team, dude. It doesn't no, work. It, it, that's <laughs> the thing. It's, it's terrifying to take any of those. And then the the safe guys, quote-unquote, late are the boring ones that, you know, are like Wainwright and Michaelis uh, that you have to kind of counterbalance with. And so it's all about build, like you said, Eric. Uh, who's your guy in the 200 to 299 range? So I, my rankings also have um, Ivaldi, like, the highest of this kind of group that we're talking about. Um, so I, I do really like Eovaldi. I would say like, because the Justin thing said my, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, so I do yeah, want to say right. like, <laughs> I have, I have a real, so- I have a real soft spot for Tyler Molly. Um, and if you put in his February only ADP, he's going to pick 253. Um, so even if I don't have him higher than Eovaldi, like I, I do really like, Molly, I like that he spent the offseason reworking the slider. Um, and the guys at, at Driveline do, like, a really good job of posting the, the videos of the pitches. And the thing that was interesting for me is they mentioned that, you know, Molly's been really good against lefties over the years and, and not as good against righties, which I didn't know was true. Um, and then I looked at, like, last year um, and – like last year, lefties hit 192 off him and righties hit 268. So if he can do something to neutralize what right-handers do off of him, like, and also we talked about Luis Castillo getting out of Cincinnati and, and Mally's out of Cincinnati. Like, I think there's a lot to, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, and then I also like Zach Eflin going 281, and that could just be like a, hey, the Rays like him, so I like him. I'm, I'm kind of in on that vibe too. I've always thought there's something more in there. So like he's my highest for 300, 300, but I guess my ADP numbers are old. Okay. Well that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a check mark next time too. Real quick before Justin kicks us off past pick 300, you know, who's your fave Kyle Bradish. Yes. Uh, yes. Got him in my top 70. He changed his pitch mix totally in the second half. Uh, he's, he's now establishing off the slider. His four seam is not good. So he's a bad pat fastball guy, but I think he's such a good slider guy that he can make it work where he establishes with the slider. The cut, the curve is the off speed and the four seam is an action pitch that he can get strikeouts on. So I mean, on that all day, Eric, wrap good. us up past pick 300. Who yeah. you got? Past pick 300. I'm, I'm chasing upside. So let's talk about uh, Mackenzie Gore at 342. Um, was not sitting 95 in his first spring outing um, and bumped up the curveball usage. So those are all things that interest me when you're talking about a guy who you know is just going to be in the rotation all year and um, is going to pick at the base around pick three fifty. I dig it. I'm, I'm with that. And that wraps it up. Thank you guys so much. It was wonderful talking with both of you. Eric, where can people find you on, on, on the line right now? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at SamskyNYC. Um, I do my fantasy writing for uh, Rotoballer, so you can check that out. I've got a bunch of preseason stuff coming out. And then uh, when spring training games get underway, longer stints, I do a pitchers with new pitches and should we care, uh, where I break down who added new pitches and also try to look at like how it fits in their arsenal, so if it's actually a, a plus or not. Um, and you can check out my podcast with uh, my boy Sammy, uh, the Catcher's Corner, it's on Apple and Spreaker and whatever other that's, things host podcasts. That's wonderful. Eno, congratulations on the FSWA award. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, if you don't want to subscribe to The Athletic just yet, you can uh, dip your toe in the water with Rates and Barrels. There's a free, uh, free version of that. Uh, you'll have to listen to some ads. Um, but uh, you can hear us and you can see if uh, you like what you hear from me, Derek Van Riper, Chris Welsh and Al Melchior. We're going uh, four days a week now, and uh, all the rates and barrels you can handle. 
Otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Eno Sarah saying dumb things like the pitch clock is fine. Get over it. It It'll is be good. You're right. It is fine. Okay, that's, it not is a good. Dumb, that's not a dumb thing. Like, I know some of the ones that are like directly in the view of people's eye and they don't have the attention span to not look at it. Okay. <laughs> it, it had to happen twice against the Red Sox, too. Oh, my God. So, uh, you know. But you knew the first week was going to be bad. You know, yeah. like I'm just hoping right. this get it all out of your system. And all the people, we'll do all the cranks want to yell at me on Twitter. I'll give you two days. Yell at me all you want, and then we can get past this, please. And it, it'll start again after opening day, though, too. You have yeah. to do another week after that. At least all the people was... who didn't do any spring training, be like, yep. what's this? <laughs> at least it wasn't like the sticky stuff where they tried to institute it in June. So yeah, yeah that'd be amazing. Exactly. Now we have a pitch clock. August <laughs> yeah. In the middle of the season, that'd be wonderful. Can't put it past MLB. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you were absolutely amazing. Uh, I am going to give away a prize real quick. And since it's a pitching panel, why not give away the Jake Arietta bobblehead uh, mm. that has been donated by Michael Schneider. So let's randomize. And Timothy Pamperin, you are the winner of that. I will get you in touch with Michael uh, to make sure you get that. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to throw you out of here unceremoniously as I move on to the next panel. 